Worldview Update, bringing you closer to international or global news. Zinat Adam is the Deputy Executive Director of the Afro Middle East Centre, joins us this morning to talk about South Africa's ICJ case against Israel. Zinat, good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. Good morning and thank you for having me on air. America saying they don't see any genocide. What do you make of that? Well, that was quite a dismissive expression by John Kirby. Um, I think that uh, they're not willing to entertain the idea at this stage until things get to court. Uh, And we know that that's going to be taking place in less than a week. Um, But I think that South Africa's momentous application to the ICJ invoking the Genocide Convention, calling for Israel to be held accountable has been a weighty decision. And it's something that um, wasn't taken overnight. If we look at the 84-page document, it's really very, very detailed. And in addition to that, South Africa has a strong legal team led by Professor John Dugard, who not only has extensive experience in international law, but also served as the UN Special Rapporteur on uh, the human rights situation in occupied Palestinian territory. He chaired two commissions of inquiry into Israel's violations of international law. And he, at one stage, also um, acted as a judge ad hoc at the ICJ. So he's very familiar with the proceedings of the court as well. Um, What it looks like at this stage is that South Africa stands in good stead for the upcoming hearing. It's getting a lot of support from from other nations now as well that are getting behind this, this motion. Uh, Yes, we've heard that Malaysia has expressed its support for South Africa's application. We've heard Turkey and the OIC. It isn't clear at this stage if any of those countries would be making their own um, uh, applications to the court or supporting South Africa's in terms of the court proceedings itself. What we do know is that the court will hold... um, some uh, public hearings as well Mm. and would open to that from NGOs and from other interested parties. I just want to talk about the court quickly. They, they, They can move fast. There was movement when it came to the Russia Ukraine war. Do they have any teeth? Because they did, uh, they, they did put out a ruling about the Ukraine war, but nothing has come of that. Well, what we do know is that from 2001, there was a case which um, actually determined that the ICJ's rulings are binding Mm. on members of the United Nations and those who are party to the ICJ. What has transpired over the years is that although the court has made significant rulings, those who have been implicated have simply ignored those. And one of the cases most recent, uh, which related to genocide, was the Gambia versus Myanmar in the case of the Rohingya, uh, where the court had ruled in favor of the Gambia, and yet Myanmar has completely ignored those rulings. So we can expect that that could take place. But we can also expect that something like uh, the case of Rwanda or the case of Bosnia could take place where the court takes a ruling and then that is elevated to the Security Council and tribunals are set up for investigation, which is what South Africa is asking for. Now that Gambia case was from 2019, so things don't move fast at times. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a little bit slow, but the ICJ has moved quite swiftly in responding to South Africa's application. If we look at this from the 29th of December when it was filed and then um, you know, indicating that we'll be having the hearing already on the 11th and the 12th, uh, shows the importance and the urgency of trying to address this and remembering that in addition to the issues of genocidal intent and actual perp- uh, um actual genocide, what 
South Africa is asking for is an interim uh, interdict in order to stop the uh, perpetuation of any potential genocidal act. Um, and that would mean uh, even instructing Israel to have a ceasefire. Uh, so what we're looking at is in the last weeks, uh, Israel has already started recalling at least five of its battalions. We're not sure if this is in response to South Africa's application, but certainly there is a slight scaling down of their operations and a change of military tactics in Gaza. They might very well be moving north because they were looking for trouble, although they haven't admitted it nor denied it. Uh, there was that killing of a Hamas leader in Lebanon, which is causing ripples in Lebanon, reporting back to say they're not going to sit back and just let that happen. Yes, and then we still have John Kirby indicating that although he's not admitting that Israel is responsible for that, but they have the right to attack any Hamas leaders anywhere in the world. And that's quite a dangerous um, supporting uh, statement to be coming out of the United States. But we also understand that the United States is almost captured by the Israeli lobby. And so anything that Israel has done has been with the uh, uh, acknowledgement and with the say-so of uh, the Americans uh, up until now. They have not called for a full ceasefire. They have indicated that they're trying to negotiate, but really they've endorsed Israel's actions in Gaza. Um, and one of the things in terms of the court is that uh, the judge president uh, is a former uh, member or former official who served in uh, the Department of State uh, and may be slightly compromised or may have certain feelings towards the United States. Uh, and that could be uh, she could direct things in the court in favor of the United States position. The U.S. must be feeling pressure now. The ICJ might not have any bearing on the war, as you say, because maybe it's going to take a while or whatever. But there is that pressure on the U.S. government that that they will start feeling from international players. Absolutely. And we heard from France yesterday, who has always been an ally of the United States, that they would respect and implement whatever decision of the court uh, comes out. So if that is in favor of South Africa, then France has already come out indicating uh, their support for the court decision um, and for international law. And they wouldn't be the only ones. Europe has been very divided on this issue uh, related to the actions that have, that Israel has perpetrated in Gaza. Um, but also looking at the South African application, it goes into a lot more detail and it quotes um, United Nations uh, organs. It quotes various international uh, organizations that have done uh, extensive work. And this looks not just into the situation in Gaza as we are looking at it in the last three months, 90 days that have taken place, mm. but also going back into the 75 years of occupation and breaking that down into various uh, eras of uh, how this occupation has perpetuated a genocide. We're all going to become legal experts now on social media as we watch this over the two days. What is the process? How does it work? 
Um, we st- to be honest, I'm not a legal uh, okay. expert. Um, it's been a while since I did international law under John Dugard, and this is really coming up uh, in my mind that I need to really uh, look into how this procedure would go. So I'm not the expert to be asking that question. Okay, no Hopefully, problem. when I do become the expert, <laughs> you can have me on air once again. Yeah, it's it's an ongoing issue. Uh, the, you, you said right at the beginning, this brushing away by the U.S., they've, they've also used quite strong words. Counterproductive is the one word that stood out to me that, uh, that uh, the, the, the spokesperson, Mr. Kirby, said. Um, what do you think he means by counterproductive? Do you think there, there are talks in the background? Uh, the UAE, I know, are getting involved. I know I suddenly saw Egypt have pulled out of, of negotiations now as well because of what Israel is doing. Is, is, do you think that this might just put a spanner in the works, this, this court case brought by South Africa? I think that it certainly puts a lot of pressure on both Israel and its allies, and including the United States, um, to ensure that there is action and perhaps to even uh, curb the kind of activities and military activities that have been taking place. We're looking at a death toll that has mm. exceeded any expectation and we're looking at them not having even considered the idea of a ceasefire despite the massive humanitarian catastrophe that is taking place before our eyes. Um, And so this certainly puts a lot of pressure onto them. The mediation that has been happening behind the scenes, you've had Qatar involved very deeply in the hostage negotiations. You've had the CIA and Mossad going into Doha and having those talks. Um, You've had Egypt involved as well. Um, But there doesn't seem to be sufficient traction. Uh, They had a few days of those minimal pauses that took place and there was an expectation that in the coming weeks we would have had uh, an agreement for a longer period of humanitarian pauses of even weeks long in order to have those other, uh, the other hostages released. But that has come to an end with the continued um, aggression by Israel. And so it is concerning. And on top of that, what we've heard from the Israeli spokesperson is that they've accused South Africa of blood libel mm. and that South Africa is now criminally complicit and shares in the culpability of the loss of human life by fighting pro bono for an anti-Jewish racist. Um, so I think that what we can expect from the uh, defense team um, on the Israeli side is that they would be reaching out to uh, indicate that they are uh, calling for self-defense. They are protecting themselves and they have the right to do so. Uh, they're going to invoke certain international law principles to indicate that. And they're going to certainly weigh on um, issues of uh, anti-Semitism. But I think the South African team is very much prepared for that. Um, I hope that we will see um uh, one of our uh, new uh, members from South Africa, Professor Dire Kladi, was recently appointed to the uh, ICJ to serve as a judge. And I hope that he's going to be on the bench because that may put this favorable towards mm. South Africa's case. I want to talk bigger war if we can, Zinat. Uh, I, I mentioned the, the killing of uh, a Hamas leader in Lebanon. Um, Hezbollah it seems, are reluctant to go to war, but it's almost as if Israel Israel are poking the bear when it comes to Hezbollah. Hezbollah has international support. Obviously, America has it supporting Israel. Uh, Netanyahu needs this war to continue because he knows that he will be in big trouble if, if it all comes down to peace and, and there are criminal cases. Where do you see this war going in the next few months? 
There certainly has been provocation and the act of this um, uh, attack taking place in the heart of Beirut uh, extends that beyond uh, the Lebanese border where there have been um, uh, there has been a, a fighting and skirmishes. There have been casualties on both sides. Ham, uh, Hezbollah has indicated quite early in the situation, in an earlier address by um, Hassan Nasrallah, that they were not going to get involved and that Hamas was handling the situation. But the attack into the heart of Beirut changes that. And if any of that continues, they may have to get involved. And this may look like a provocation to uh, extend the war. At the same time, we're looking at the situation in the Red Sea and we're looking at the Yemeni mm. Houthis who have attacked some of the vessels. And you look at the American uh, coalition that is uh, uh, being put together in that region, which also escalates the situation. Um, and further than that, we then look at the Iranian involvement into uh, support for some of these organizations um, and whether or not that will extend it. But we've also seen Israel attacking into Syria and attacking some of the uh, assets in Syria. So there is a potential for this to escalate quite a lot into the rest of the region. And the mediation is really there to try and uh, curb that as soon as possible. Uh, I'm not sure if you were awake early enough, Zinat, but um, the BBC reporting that Israel Defense Minister Yoav Gallant has outlined proposals for the future governance of Gaza. They're saying that now it'll be a limited Palestinian rule in that territory, so it's assuming this war ends. Hamas would no longer control Gaza. Israel would retain overall security control. Um, so it's it's almost as if they they are looking at the end game here. Well, this is, again, the reoccupation of Gaza. Yes. So, you know, there's never been an, a situation where Gaza has actually been able to rule itself in as much as uh, Israel claims that they left the territory and Hamas has been in control. You cannot be in control of an area that has a land, sea and air blockade continuously. And that determines whether whether or not you're able to uh, any civilians are able to leave or move uh, around from that area. So this is an extension of that. Um, and indicating that Hamas is the only problem uh, is already, uh, you know, putting the situation or reading the situation very differently. Before Hamas, Gaza was still occupied and the occupation of the West Bank um, is still continuing. So it's just that Israel wants to determine and choose who would be able to run Gaza. Their ideal, and we've heard this from uh, the war uh, uh, profiteers, and we've heard this from those who are taking the decisions in Israel, uh, is that they would want the entire Gaza to be eradicated of Palestinians. They've been talking about sending Palestinians to Africa, to the Congo. They've been talking about Palestinians being um, moved into the Sinai. And that's what their ideal would be. But in the absence of such a decision, they then want to decide who would be administering Gaza mm. um, while the occupation continues. See that, Adam. Thank you very much. Deputy Executive Director of the Afro-Middle East Centre. Thank you.